Y'all feeling good? Are you awake at the two o'clock session? I have had 10 espresso shots today, so I'm a little awake and shaky, and yes, it's going to be a great day. You feeling it? Where are my coffee girls at that were here this morning at 8 o'clock a.m.? Yes, my girls. We were up at, uh, what, yes, 7.30, 8 o'clock a.m. for Coffee with Taylor. So, yes, it's going to be a great day. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Cindy for one, putting on something like this. Um, I'm actually planning my first conference on, it's coming Saturday. And I said yes to a conference, but didn't realize what I was saying yes to. And a conference is not for the week. It is some grind. It is some sleepless nights. It is some, um, I really don't even have the words to say exactly what consists whenever you put your all into a conference. But you could have anyone up here on the stage. I mean, you've had Charlotte Gamble. You've had my girl, Naomi, who I just met. She's my new BFF. She just doesn't know it, okay? And then you have, I mean, Robert Medulla tonight. Um, so, and you, you've allowed me to be up here. So I, I'm just so grateful. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a party um, and love Jesus. Jesus is a party. So there you go. Yes, yes. So yes, to tell you a little bit about myself, because I know you have no clue who I am. So I am married to Robert Madu. Robert has been here probably four or five times. Y'all know Robert? Anybody know Robert? Yeah. He's really, really good. He's really, really smart. And he uses really big words. Um, I don't use big words. <laughs> okay, just, just up front. I don't really use big words. We're going to have fun today. So yeah, we have three babies, um, four, three, and two, Okay. So give it up for me, okay? Yes, give it up for me. I believe we have the babies on the screen anywhere, maybe. Aren't they just the cutest things ever? I need y'all to give me a little bit more, okay? Oh, yes, yes. Those are my babies. They keep me um, on the edge of my seat. And then also, where's my husband? Just because I just need y'all to see us, you know? <laughs> just kidding. So I love him so much. We get the opportunity to travel the world and tell people about Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. We're raising the kids, and life is good. Yeah. See y'all ready for the word today? So as you heard in my bio, there's been a handful of people be like, oh, yeah, I read your bio. I'm like, I got a bio. Oh, okay, that's what my bio says. So she just read my bio. And, yes, I love stories. I absolutely love stories. I love hearing of who someone once was and, and where they are now and everything in between. I believe that in this room, we're, there's thousands of stories, right? Um, we all were made and we all are faced with something in our life and it shapes us in, into who that we are today. And so I absolutely love our stories and I love sharing from a place um, from my own personal journey. So if I have one message to sum up who I am as a person, it would be sharing from our past, sharing from our scars, sharing from our stories. And so today I want to teach. Let's pray that my laptop doesn't go out, okay? Yeah, can you pray for that? So today my message is entitled The Secret of Our Scars. And um, the scripture is out of John 20, 24 through 29. And it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said to them, unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and I put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors and Thomas was with them. 
The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. So, Father, we thank you for this word that you've given me today to speak. I love that you are able, God, to use one word and hit every single situation in the room. Um, So anoint this word, God. Speak through me, Holy Spirit. Let it not be of of me, God, speaking, but all of you. Um, Bless it. Bless your people and your daughters in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So as I shared with you, I have um, three babies, four, three, and two. So I was pregnant for three years in a row, people. Um, it is no game. It is real. The struggle is real. Um, but it's funny because I always loved uh, capturing my full-term belly. So I loved uh, photo shoots. And I had a handful. My sister's a photographer, but I actually chose to do a handful of different photographers every single time. And so with that being said, after every single photo shoot, it never failed because the photographer would send a follow-up text with me and say, hey, Taylor, I'm currently in the editing process. Would you like me to Photoshop out your C-section scar? So fun fact about me, I've had four C-sections, and every time I've had the, the cut, the incision, it gets bigger and bigger. So I have a pretty large scar across my belly. To the average eye, it's, pretty, it's probably not the most, um, I guess, attractive. But for me, it's, it's my scar, and it, it is, it's made me who I am today. I think I actually have a picture of it. You see that scar. So when I look at that scar, um, I, see, I see a few things. I see pain. I see suffering. I see trauma. I see death. And yet in that same scar lies healing, lies freedom, lies my salvation, and lies my story. We live in a society, naturally, I didn't ever tell the photographers that I wanted them to Photoshop out my C-section scar, but we live in such a day and age of people that firsthand, they want to remove every single flaw. It's just what we do, right? And I'm not mad about it, but it's just the reality of what we live in. But my scar has made me who I am today. And so when I thought to myself, I absolutely do not want to Photoshop out my C-section scar. And so as I look at today's text, Thomas and Jesus both teach us a lesson here. So here Thomas is, he says, you know what? I'm surrounded by believers that are saying that Jesus is alive, but I'm having a hard time believing unless I actually see the scars. And I believe there's a lot of people that are coming in and out of our churches, in and out of our day-to-day, and they want to believe. They, they hear us saying with our mouths that Jesus is alive. They hear us saying these things, but they're having a hard time because they're not necessarily seeing the scars. They're not seeing the vulnerability of us believers to say, you know what? We, aren't, we don't have it all together. We're in this walk together, Right? And people will believe when they, we stretch out our hands and we show the scars. And then Jesus, on the other hand, he teaches us a lesson. Here he shows up in his redemptive body. In his redeemed body, the scars remain. So with that, what that tells me is that even Jesus himself finds significance in our scars. So Jesus and Thomas both are teaching us there is significance in our scars. Can you say that? There is significance while I grab a drink of water. Say it again. There is. Yes, you got it. But if there is so much significance in our scars, then why do we find so much shame in them? Why do we put out our rest, our best, and hide the rest? Why is the first picture that we... um, 
posts on Instagram, not the first picture that we take. You feel me? Y'all know y'all took about 39 selfies, and you, you posted, what, 36? I mean, I feel you. I did the same thing. There are filters and apps created to remove every single flaw, even social media, which we're all on, right? Everyone's on social media. We can all agree. I'll be, I was on it before. I'll be on it after. Help me, Jesus. But even social media externally reflects what is happening in all of us today, right? Photoshop, in 2018, more than $16 billion was spent on plastic surgery. I'm not hating on Photoshop. I'm not hating on plastic surgery. Trust me when I say I'm going to get my redeemed body here on earth before I get to heaven. Do you see me? You feel me? You feel me? Yes, God. However, even reading and studying on this message, statistics say that 81% of 10-year-old girls want to be thinner. 10-year-old girls want to be thinner. Teenage girls have reported they are more afraid of gaining weight than getting cancer, losing their parents, or nuclear war. Is that not crazy? As I mentioned, my sister's a photographer. She received this email one time. It said, hello, I haven't done pictures in a long time. I should have worn black, right? Black makes you look slimmer, right? I didn't realize that my thighs would look that big. So I think it was the way I was standing or maybe the angle that you shot. So can you slim down my legs just a little bit, my inner thighs for sure? Also, if you could smooth my hands because they look so wrinkled. My neck looks a little bit droopy. Can you lift that area possibly? This is crazy, right? I'm still going. There's one photo of me, photo of me where my eyes look heavy. Can you lift them? Because it's winter, we're all still a bit, bit pale. Can you add some color on all of us? Thank you so much for these few changes. Okay. It's funny, right? But it's real. Like, I literally could not make this story up. This is real. And this is the society that we, we live in, the world that we live in. Make me look like something that I'm not. Make me look like a different person. Why? Because we're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to show our flaws and reveal these secrets of our lives. The pressure, looking just right, saying the right thing, being the perfect mom, being the perfect daughter, being the perfect wife, being the perfect pastor, being the perfect employee. We all want to be perfect. But being perfect is actually not an option for us, okay? That's a little bit freeing, right? Being perfect is not an option. Being the best you is great, but living in a constant state of strive, a constant state of worry was, was never God's intention over our lives. This is where I believe all of the anxiety that's raging around the world today in 2019 is coming from. Everyone only posts the good stuff. We all get it, okay? So it makes everyone else feel like inadequate, right, and that we have horrible lives. But our fakeness is actually causing more sickness. There's a much deeper rooted issue here. Why do we choose to hide? Why do we choose to run? Why do we choose not to share? It's because of shame. We allow other things and other people to define who we are instead of who God says that we are, causing us to withhold instead of share. This false perception of perfection is causing so much more damage to society, painting a picture that we all want to accomplish but will never be able to achieve. But if we're truly honest, we're all internally crying out for authenticity, right, and transparency. Can we just be real? Knowing other people have struggles makes us feel better. Do you agree? You don't believe me? Are you ready for this? I have a confession. I plucked 10 hairs out of my chin today. 
Where are my ladies at with the beards? Okay? Where are my ladies at? Okay, there's two ladies in the house. There's one that, that's judging me right, right now, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay that you're judging me. You're grossed out. It's fine. You know what? But then there's the woman in the room that's like, you know what? That's my girl, and we just connected. We just became best friends, right? Where are my ladies that are my best friends? Yes. Isn't that crazy, though? Did that not just make you feel better about yourself that I told you that I plucked 10, 10 hairs out of my chin? It's so weird, right? But it's exactly what we do and what we need to do for other people, right? Y'all get ready because this message is very deep, okay? I go really, really deep with my messages, okay? <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Literally in my notes it says, I have a beard. That's my note in there, okay? <laughs> yes, okay. so much fun. But what is causing us? What is causing? What's funny is we all know that hair grows in women's chin when you hit about 30, okay? But yet we're all like, the other day I was driving on the road and I literally was like, oh my gosh, Lord, I literally have five black hairs. Like what is happening? And I looked over at the stoplight and there was a woman, this is a true story, literally rear view mirror. She had her tweezers out plucking her chin. I said, God, you are faithful. You are letting me know that I am not alone on this journey. You are just so good to me. Just, it is what it is, guys. So, anyways, from the beginning of time, man has been covering their scars. Adam and Eve, Genesis reveals the root. It says that they were both naked and unashamed. However, once they disobeyed God, it says the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves. They, they realized they were naked. So all of a sudden, they started sewing fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Fig leaves were the first Photoshop. <laughs> they failed, and all of a sudden they started searching for anything to start to cover up, cover themselves, right? The God they were once running to, now they're running from. Shame is real, okay? Shame is crippling. Shame will cause you to hide. It will cause you to strive. It causes anger. It causes frustration. It causes guilt and inadequacy. Shame seeps into every area of your life. But let's not give shame too much credit, right? Because shame is a lie, and shame has no place in this house today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So they were already sewing fig leaves together before God ever even addressed them. As soon as they messed up, they knew it. They didn't need anyone else to tell them how bad they already were, okay? Because they already knew this about themselves. So in a social media world where everyone has an opinion and a right to tell everyone what's wrong with them, let's take a note and a side note from Jesus. Can we all agree? Jesus doesn't need our commentary, okay? And I think he teaches us this in Genesis. It is important for us to address, but address in love. Addressing versus attacking are two different things, okay? Everything that God did throughout the word of God was for us to do the same. God addresses them by approaching them with questions. So I'm in counseling. I've been in counseling from since I was 19 years old. I'm all about counseling. I think it's a part of just, just like I said this morning at coffee, you know, the same way God uses a, a teacher, a pastor, he uses a worship leader, he will use a counselor. He is the wonderful counselor, and I believe that he uses people through therapy. Yes, it's awesome. I believe in it wholeheartedly and passionately. But it's so awesome because in counseling, when I, my counselor would always ask me a question that she already knew the answer to. 
And I always wonder why the heck she did that, because I was like, wait, this is weird, because like, as I would say it, I would just all of a sudden start weeping, okay? And it made me realize that she was helping me recognize the truth for myself. I actually spoke it out, and then all of a sudden the truth hit. And I think in the same way, this is what the wonderful counselor, counselor our Savior, did in that, and he does today, is he's questioning, reveals his character, the compassionate, wonderful counselor that he is. He says, where are you? He doesn't say, you done ruined the whole world, okay? Everything you just did, you ate the apple, the world is doomed because of you and all your failures. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He said, where are you? Who told you you were naked? And all of a sudden, he's acknowledging that they've done something, okay? But then look what it says that he does. And I love this. This is our Savior. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. God went to work on their behalf. He didn't say, you know what, you go, go get some uh, garments, start sewing them together, and clothe yourself. He said, no, 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 you messed up, and I see it. He addressed it in love, but then he said, you know what, I'm going to go make your own garments, and I'm going to clothe you. And this represents the clothing of his grace and his love, just like the love of a father. Okay? Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Stop striving, okay? God's grace is enough for you today. While the enemy wants us to, co to cover us in shame and in guilt, it's exactly what he wants you to do. God comes to cover us with his mercy. And it is through our scars, I believe, that we are able to understand the character of Jesus. It was the fall that really helps us understand the character of Jesus. And the more we understand him, the more you can't help but love him, right? And I believe that today I want to give you three secrets of, of, of my own scars, actually. I'm speaking from a, a place of vulnerability, of, of, of once I was lost, once I was blind, once I was a mess. And yet through the grace of God, this is what I've learned along my journey. And I love it because I heard Charlotte Gamble, I wasn't able to be here last night, but I heard that Pastor Charlotte Gamble, she spoke about what dry bones being awakened, right? And then Pastor Cindy's message today, Awaken, there's a theme throughout this conference. And I believe that it is time for these women, for this sisterhood to rise up and own who you are and what God has called you to do and to be. But I also understand that there's a room full of pain. There's a room full of hurt. You know, unnecessary things that you didn't necessarily act for, ask for. And you're trying to figure out, well, that sounds good. But like, what do I do? How do I embrace this situation? And so I pray today that as you've received these empowering, incredible messages that today at this two o'clock session, I can give you maybe some handlebars of maybe shifting your perspective a little bit on knowing how to embrace your scars, okay? So you with me for my note takers? Note one is that, note one, number one is that behind every scar lies a story. Behind every scar lies a story. The beauty of a scar means the hurt is over and the wound is closed. A scar states that there was once cutting and there was once bleeding, but now healing has taken place. Healing is a process, and within that process lies a story. But understand that scars look different for each person. Some are emotional and some are physical. Like Pastor Cindy said today when she was robbed, I mean, that is a scar, right? That is traumatizing. So our scars look different, right? 
But I love that the good news is that no matter whether you carry the physical or the emotional, that we serve a God who has handled it. We serve a God who has handled it. Isaiah 53, 5 says, that, but he was pierced for our wrongdoing. He was pierced. Piercing happens from the outside in, right? He was pierced for our physical scars. He was bruised for our iniquities, for our wickedness. Bruising happens from the inside out. He was bruised for our emotional scars. And the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And the healer is in the house today. The healer is here today for your emotional, for your physical, whatever you've walked through, he is here today. And I love that the scars of our Savior tell, tell the story of our salvation. Our scars, his scar, the cross tells the story of our salvation. How hideous and how brutal was the cross, and yet that is what led, led us to life, eternal life. What story can be told from your scar? I believe our scar is just the book cover waiting to be opened to see what lies within the chapters, page after page, layer after layer. And God has called us not to withhold, but the same way that he so willingly stretched out his hands to Thomas to show, guess what? I am alive. And Thomas believing because of the scars, he believed Jesus is alive. It's the same way that God is calling us to hold out our scars and share from a place of healing. Understand that from a place of healing. It's different sharing from a wound versus sharing from being healed, okay? So understand that. But you have a story and I have a story. You know, I love it because I have a story, and I'm a pastor's wife and a pastor's daughter, and a lot of people see me as this girl. They see me on social media, and I don't really know what people expect from me. I'm not really sure because I'm just very like, yeah. So I'm a seven Enneagram, you know, so that's just kind of what we do. So, um, But with that being said, it's funny because a lot of people, even today, I don't know where the woman is. She's my buddy, but um, she mentioned today it was so funny because, you know, I saw you on social media, and she was like, oh, this girl ain't been through nothing. And then all of a sudden she heard me in person, and she's like, oh, wow, she has been through some things. But I have a story. And why am I up here on the stage today? I have no idea except the grace of God. I, I'm not begging for a microphone. Are you kidding me? I'm half of the time wondering why God gave me a microphone, you know? I'm like, okay, you sure, Lord? Okay, yeah, for sure. So with that being said, I have a story. I was born and raised in El Dorado, Arkansas. And at age seven, my, um, my dad traveled the world, the globe, doing exactly what Robert does in ministry, preaching the gospel. One day my dad comes home, my mom sits down, and all of a sudden at age seven, my parents divorce. We had a super dysfunctional divorce. What I always say is uh, it was like the Jerry Springer show. I'm not really sure if y'all know what the Jerry Springer show is. Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Robert's like, don't use that illustration. No one knows who Jerry Springer is. I'm like, what? Like, everyone knows who Jerry Springer is, you know? So yeah, it was the Jerry Springer show. Love Jesus. In church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, in revivals, all of the things, and yet our home life was a mess. And I believe that you can be saved and yet still be a mess and still be broken. Um, I believe maybe you're not living in the fullness of what God has for you, but I do believe that you can be saved and be in a mess. And I believe that the enemy had targeted our family. He was attacking our family. So it was extremely dysfunctional. Eventually from there, my mom becomes addicted to antidepressants and painkillers, and that's when her addiction, her addiction journey started. 
Um, I, my mom was alive but not living, and so I felt like I somewhat lost my mom. And eventually from there, um, one of my siblings is sexually abused by a close friend of our family, another hit to our family. Um, I'm traumatized, and I'm searching for anything to fill the brokenness in my heart. And from there, I get in at 14 into a relationship, extremely dysfunctional. I'm in it for three years. I can't seem to get out of it. It's emotionally abusive. At 17, I get pregnant out of wedlock. I'm this girl that loved Jesus, pastor's daughter, and all of a sudden now the small town, everyone knows, oh my gosh, Taylor Mitchell got pregnant. So I'm pregnant. How do I explain this? I'm ashamed. I'm grieving. More voids, more holes in my heart. And then at Christmas Eve of 2005, I give birth to my stillborn baby boy. His name was Micah. 32 weeks pregnant. I held him for 18 and a half hours. That was my valley of the shadow of death. The lowest point of my life. I actually have pictures. And the reason I have pictures is because I want to show you exactly where I was 13 years ago. So that's my baby boy, Micah. You can see this, how small he was with my hand. Um, that's my story. That's my scar. And if you would have told me 13 years ago that I would be traveling the world telling people about this Jesus that redeemed my soul, I wouldn't have believed you. Because why? Because I felt inadequate. I felt unworthy. I didn't think I deserved the life, this life. But that's what I love is that when you surrender your life to Jesus, he exceeds every single expectation of what you think you deserve, of what you do deserve. And that is the God that I serve. I have a story. I have some scars. You have a story. You have some scars. Behind every scar lies a story. And number two, our scars shape us. They shape us, they form us, and they make us into who we are today. Colossians 3.12, so chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe that God has handpicked out just for you. A wardrobe that God has picked out for you. God picked us out a wardrobe, like who knew? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. I love that God has picked these things out for us. And I'm leaning into this. When I was studying, I'm leaning in to see if God could pick out anything for us to wear. He chooses compassion. And you know where, how I think you get compassion is through your scars. Honestly, if I can be just really transparent, I can usually always pick out someone who ain't been through nothing. Because they walk a little bit differently and they talk a little bit differently. But you, you point out someone, I can always point out someone who has been through some things. They worship differently. They talk differently. They act differently. And I believe it is through our scars that compassion comes. So once again, I'm going to talk about my kids all day long because that's just what I do, you know. But it's so funny. So this is a story about compassion, the way I believe that compassion comes. Um, so four, three, and two, one of my things that I do for fun, call me lame, I go to Target. I think Target is like so much fun, okay? Yes, Target. That's a plug there. Yeah, sponsor, maybe sponsor, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so what am I talking about? So I love Target. Okay, so we always go to Target. I load the kids up in that massive buggy that you can barely turn, right? And it's so funny because as soon as we go into Target, it's like they see the red Target, and it's like, okay, now it's time to turn up. So they turn up every single time, okay? So we're walking. I'm just thinking in my head, this sounds good to go and shop, right? I'm going to get some clothes. I'm going to get some shoes. I'm going to get some Doritos and some Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You know what I mean? And then I'm going to go get some face product. I mean, all 
all the things at Target. It's like a one-stop shop, so I'm here for it, okay? So in my head, I'm thinking my kids are going to have the best time. This is just going to be awesome. So we're going in, and they're, they're turned, okay? They're pretty turned. So um, kind of demonic a little bit, you know? I'm going down the aisle. I'm minding my own business, trying to at least. And it's so funny because they're going crazy, literally. And I always feel, I can always tell the person who doesn't have kids they don't have kids. You feel me? Because they're judging me, okay? They're judging my kids, okay? You have the worst kids in the world, or you're the worst mom in the world. Get your kids. And the thing is, is I'm trying. I'm in survival mode, okay? So literally, I'm grabbing Doritos and Cheetos and Cheeto puffs and apple cinnamon Cheerios and all the things. And I'm like, open the bag and eat it for entertainment. And they're like, mommy, we haven't paid for it yet. I'm like, if you don't open the freaking bag right now, okay? Because just before, I told them, don't open anything unless we pay for it. But then all of a sudden, and you know, it's just kind of the way it works. So this is what's happening. But what's also funny, I feel the people judging me because they ain't got no kids. They don't understand what I've walked through. They don't understand my journey. They don't understand my lane, you know. So, yeah, some of y'all think I'm crazy. I can see it on your face. Give me a smile. Makes me feel better, you know. I mean, I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I do laugh at my own jokes. So, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Yes. But it's so funny because then all of a sudden I'm once again pushing the buggy and I look down the aisle and I see another mama and she has three kids in her buggy. And all of a sudden we begin to eye contact, right? We begin to have a conversation without having a conversation. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We, we, we get each other's lives. And why do we get each other's lives? Because we're walking on the same journey, right? We're teaching each other. Our, our personal things are actually teaching us how to have compassion for the other person. Uh-huh, right? Told you I'm very deep, guys. I'm just, wow, like Professor Taylor. <laughs> Switch it from Pastor Taylor to Professor Taylor. Okay. <laughs> it's so true, though. I mean, you feel me? Isn't it so true how you, you know, once again, I can connect with someone who's walking through divorce, a girl who's going crazy. You know, in fifth grade, this is not in my notes. In fifth grade, I was acting so crazy and bad as a fifth grader. The school called my mother. This is the prime time of the divorce. I was, I was so traumatized. I was literally, my home life was a mess. They called my mother and said, you know what? Why don't you just keep Taylor at home the last month of school? <laughs> like, what are we talking about? My mom was like, she was like, okay, uh-uh, no, Arkansas, no, my mom, uh-uh, she's coming, Taylor's coming to school, okay? But it's so funny because I will see actually rebellious kids, and like, they're going crazy. They're going crazy, they're rebellious, they're angry, they're raging. You know, I don't look at them and say, they ain't good to nothing, they're bad, they're this and that. No, I look at them, I'm like, what, is the, what does their home life look like? What are they walking through right now? They're not bad. And so for me, I come from that place of compassion because I once was in their shoes and I know what my heart felt in that season. And I believe that is what our scars are doing for us. They teach us compassion. Also, they, they teach us strength. I feel like they, they give you this, mm, this grit, this, this strength to be able to endure and keep going. So for example, I hate working out. I absolutely hate y'all. If y'all follow Robert, y'all know he loves working out. Y'all follow OTF? I call him Coach Robert because he's like an Orange Theory coach. Not really, but he's thinking about it. So we'll see if he'll be evangelizing in a year from now. I don't know. Maybe he won't be. So it's so funny because I hate working out. And I hate the treadmill more than anything because you're, you're running on the treadmill. 
and it feels like you're running for an hour, and then you look down and you've been running for three minutes. You feel me? Yeah. And so within that three minutes, you think, you know, you've ran, you've burnt like a thousand calories, and you've burnt what? 35 calories. And you're just like, this is okay, I'm tired. So then I'm like, okay, this is great. I worked out today, I'm off the treadmill five minutes, I'm going home. And then on the way home, you know the devil. Y'all know the devil always tries to get you when you've worked out. So I'm, I'm driving, and all of a sudden, I pass the orange sign, the red-orange sign. Y'all know what the red-orange sign is? Krispy Kreme, Popeye's chicken. I love Popeye's chicken. I'm here for it. Chicken leg, oh my God, it's two-piece Tuesday, so you get two legs for $2, you know what I mean? So, yes, so I am like, you know what, devil, you better get behind, but you know what, I may have to stop and get me some two legs. So then I'm like, for real, I'm like, no, I need a salad. No, I need chicken leg. No, I need a salad. No, I need a chicken leg. So then I'm like, I just ran, burn all the calories, the 35 calories. Okay, let me Google what a chicken leg, how many calories in a chicken leg. So I Google, <laughs> Google, hey, Google, yes. How many calories are in a Popeye's chicken leg? 725 calories. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's for sure worth it. Two is a stretch, but one is for sure. I just got to get one. So the reality is if I want this chicken leg, then I have to literally run for the rest of my life to burn this one chicken leg off. So it's just, you know. But what's funny is, once again, I just worked way, 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 way too hard to go back to who I once was. It's funny, right? But this is how the Lord speaks to me through Papa's chicken and Target. But hey, I'm here for it. But truly, I just, I was grinding out so hard, sweating, ble the blood and the tears. And now all of a sudden, whenever I'm faced with this situation, I reflect back onto who I once was, what I just fought for, and I can't go back to who I once was. This is the quiet strength that our scars are developing within us. Compassion, quiet strength. Our scars are shaping us. But the reality is, is that our scars shape us, but they, they don't define us. But we fear being defined by them. And why do we fear being defined by them? Because society defines us by who we once were. Oh, that's the man who cheated on his wife. Oh, that's the girl that got pregnant out of wedlock. Can you agree? Oh, that's the guy that was in prison. Even society calls him Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Did you know there's nowhere in the Word, in Scripture, where he was called Doubting Thomas? We've labeled him that because of that one incident. And after researching Thomas, he and Jesus had been friends for a long time. And there's evidence that the friendship was a very close and tender one. In Thomas was strong loyalty and unwavering devotion. You are not defined by your scar. And then number three, and the worship team can join me. Are y'all awake? Y'all awake? Okay. Number three, scars shift our focus back to our Savior. There's not a day that goes by that I don't get up in the mirror and look at my physical scar, truly. I look at it and it always takes me back to 13 years ago when I'm laying in the hospital bed. It, it, it never fails, every single day. There's different moments within my life when I look at my kids, when I look at my marriage, when I'm standing on the stage like today, when I'm talking to people, I'm constantly reminded of who I once was and yet it, it, it refocuses me back to where would I be without the grace of Jesus? It focuses, changes our focus back to Him. 
We're all on a journey and we're all in the process of being perfected. But I want you to understand this, that in our strive for perfection, once again, don't, don't misunderstand, you know, we are striving. We do want to be the best that we can be. But then there becomes a, a time it kind of gets a little unhealthy. But perfectionism denies the need of Jesus in our lives. And I mean that, I say that by saying that if we were perfect, we wouldn't have needed the cross, right? So perfectionism, it denies the need of a Savior. But when we're weak and when we're fragile, we come before the Lord with our needs and our trials and our sufferings. It's an invitation to getting to know Him, who He is, knowing Him more and more and more. A worship song, a Sunday school meeting, or a Sunday morning session could not have taught me what my valley taught me. It's true. I am who I am because of that valley. Our weaknesses and our wounds are an invitation for Jesus to reveal who he is. He is the good shepherd. How do I know he's the good shepherd? Because I was lost. I lost my way and I needed a good shepherd to come and guide me. How do I know that he's the wonderful counselor? Because I've been a mess seeking for truth, seeking for light, seeking for something more, and he was the answer. His grace is sufficient. Why? Because I've messed up over and over and over and over again, and I'll mess up again and again, but his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for you. So instead of viewing our unfortunate situations in life as a bad thing, we see this as a personal invitation from God himself saying, I want to know you more. I want to love on you. And I say that because sometimes we beg and beg for God, God's call in our lives. God, use me. God, we want your will. But sometimes God's will and God's call cost us some of the closest things to our hearts. So be careful what you ask for because it doesn't necessarily come in the package that we think it's going to come in. And that's a little scary, right? But I promise you, when you give every single detail to God, He will blow your mind. He will exceed every expectation. And the biggest way to do that, I believe, trials will come. Unfair things will happen. But I encourage you to shift your perspective because perspective is everything on this journey. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that is that for example, in the middle of the night when I'm up at 3 a.m. and then all of a sudden I get Remy down and then Evie wakes up and it's 4 a.m. and then all of a sudden she gets down and then Bubba's up at 5 a.m. and I'm exhausted and I'm literally going crazy. I feel like I'll be, the Holy Spirit will just gently remind me. You know how many women wish they could have crying babies wake them up in the middle of the night? And then all of a sudden I'll quickly get myself in check because maybe they're struggling with infertility. Maybe their child was taken in a car wreck or from the C word. They would give anything to have crying babies. So then I say, okay, Holy Spirit, thank you for correcting me. Give me the strength to walk this thing out. Because you can't deny your feelings, right? You're tired. But God, he's our strength, God. He gives us the strength that we need. He gives us the peace that we need. 
He sustains us. He is our anchor. He is our hope that is an anchor for our soul. He is all things that we need. Shift your perspective. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I heard a quote recently, and it said, if you don't heal what hurt you, you will bleed on people who didn't cut you. Don't give your abuser the power to rule your life in the name of Jesus. I feel your, I feel your anointing, God. I feel your presence right now. Do not give your abuser the power to rule your life. Don't give. Don't allow the lies to consume your mind. Do you hear me today? Your pregnancy resulted in a stillborn death, and now you're pregnant again, and you walk in fear. Fear break in the name of Jesus. You don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to be afraid because God's hand is with you. He is guiding you. He's ordering every footstep. You walk with your head up high because you go in the boldness and the confidence of who He is. He is for you. Don't give your past the power over you, but allow it to empower you in the name of Jesus. The cross has empowered us to embrace every single thing, inadequacies, because where we lack, where we fail, grace fills the gap. Our scars serve a purpose. They bring us to a place where we feel such pain that we seek for a healer. We feel so empty that we seek for a filler. We feel so lost and alone and fearful that we seek for a savior. And the good news is there is a man who is all things to all people. And he is every single thing that we need and his name is Jesus. Can we all stand today? I don't know who this message is for, but once again, I'm teaching today from a place of, I've been there before. And this is something that I have to remind myself over and over and over again. Because sometimes life just doesn't make sense, right? It just doesn't make sense why things happen. It seems so unfair at times, but once again, I believe that in my darkest days, that's when I discovered who he was, and I'm closer than ever to Jesus because of who he is. And I also know that whenever I was in my days of fighting for my life, I love it because he is a God that makes all things new. And now I see that I was not only fighting for Taylor, but I was fighting for you. I was fighting for moments like this when someone needed just a little glimpse of hope to know that you're not fighting for yourself. You're fighting for someone. Someone's gonna be empowered by your story one day. Someone needs to know, because sometimes I didn't even wanna fight for myself. I felt like, what, I'm not even worthy enough to fight for myself, da 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 But yet, there was something in me that wanted to fight for other women, and that's what got me to keep going and keep fighting. So if you're too tired to fight for, your, fight for yourself, at least fight for someone else. Because I promise you, someone will find freedom in your story. Someone will find healing in your story. You just got to get up. And I'm going to close with this. 
Find the beauty in your blemishes and the strength in your scars because there is nothing more magnificent than dancing about something that should have destroyed you. Is that not just so beautiful? There's nothing more magnificent than dancing about something that should have, could have destroyed you. You are here for a reason today. You're at Summit Christian Center chosen for a reason today. I want the worship team to sing. I don't necessarily know what you're walking through. I believe that God is able to touch you in your seat or if you want to come up to the front and pray with someone. There's a prayer team, right? I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. Oh, perfect. They're coming. Once again, God can touch you anywhere. He can touch you in your car. Some people are too stubborn to walk forward. They don't want to. Maybe they just want it to be private, and that's okay. He can touch you in your car. I'm, I'm, I love the power of our Savior, the grace of our Savior. He meets us exactly where we are. But I do think there's something powerful and bold about being able to walk forward and then, and then coming in agreement. Once again, when I was too weak to fight for myself, there were people around me that were, they were tear the roof off friends. They fought on my behalf. So partnering with these women today, just open up and share with someone, you know what, I'm walking through this and I need a little bit of strength. Maybe you could pray for me. Maybe you could fight on my behalf. This is sisterhood, y'all. We do it together. And so I want the worship team to sing. I'm gonna walk off stage. I'm gonna be down here praying. But what the enemy meant to destroy you, God is choosing to use, if you give it to him, to empower you, and it'll be something. It's like the domino effect. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going. I made it my life message. I said, you know what, devil? Not to be churchy, but truly, like this is literally laying in the hospital bed. I said, you know what? I'm going to make the devil regret that he ever messed with Taylor Mitchell. I'm going to spend the rest of my life taking back territory, taking it back event, coffee, whatever that looks like, I'm going to take it back one conversation at a time. So I stand before you today. I hope that my life is a testimony of, that gives you hope. I'm not perfect. Far from it. But I love Jesus. Jesus changed my life. He can change your life. If He did it for me, He can do it for you. So thank you so much. I'm going to have the worship team sing. Whatever you feel led to sing, Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that your spirit is here. We're, we thank you, God, that you take the ugliest parts of our lives and you make it new. You are a Savior that makes it new. We give you and you alone the glory, Jesus, because we know, God, that you are in it. Even in our darkest days, you're in the details with us. And in the process, you will give us strength, God. You will give us the peace. You will give us the hope beyond our circumstances to be able to keep pressing, keep fighting, because what's on the other side will exceed our wildest dreams. Thank you, Jesus. And if you want prayer, I just want to invite anyone who wants prayer, a salvation, whatever that looks like, you can come up to the front or you can just worship in your seat. Thank you so much, ladies.